Welcome back to Checked Out, U92's premier hockey podcast. And if you can believe it, it's episode four, the first episode post-Thanksgiving break and possibly Thanksgiving hangover episode. Anissa, how are you doing? Doing great, Alex. It's great to have you back. I had a really great conversation with Mason Deal last time that we recorded, but happy to have you back in the studio after all of your grueling exams. Thank you. I'm happy to be back, too, and it's time to talk some hockey. First things first, we have a trade. My Calgary Flames, it just passed Thanksgiving, and I guess they're already selling everybody. They're just giving up on the year. Nikita Zadorov, the giant defenseman on the back end there in Calgary, he gets shipped to the division rivals, the Vancouver Canucks, who are having a outstanding year in exchange for a 2024 fifth-round pick and a 2026 third-round pick. Anissa, your thoughts on this trade? I really have nothing to say about this. All I'm going to say is Calgary got fleeced. Right now, their picks, their prospect picks that they got from this trade are getting ready to hand in a book exam tomorrow, a book report tomorrow. Like, they're getting ready to go to high school tomorrow. Maybe their freshman year. So, to be involved in a trade that could very well help the Canucks more than right now, I mean... It's, I think it's going to be impactful. You have to see how it plays out in the long run, however. I think it's a great acquisition for the Canucks. As for as for the Flames, I'll start off with the Flames because, as you may or may not know, the Flames are one of my favorite teams. I, I just don't get it with management in Calgary. Everyone said it was all Daryl Sutter's fault, and that's why he had to go and he got fired. And I kind of agree with that. I didn't think he was a very good fit the last couple of years. Whether I blame him for the reason Kachuk and Goudreau, that's Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Goudreau, left town, I don't know if I go that far. But management, come on, guys. Nikita Zadorov is a fan favorite. Well, he was a fan favorite in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. To just give him away to a rival, at that point, you might as well give him away for free. Well, I feel like right now with the Flames, after they kind of got off to a really bad start, I mean, we can all agree that was a bad start for the Flames. They got absolutely routed the first few parts of the season. So I don't think really think it's a surprise. He was heading into a contract year next year, correct? He was. So I don't really think it's a surprise. And I technically really don't blame him for being like, hey, let me see what my other options are. And if one of his options are the Canucks, who are playing really good this year, they have a really good standing right now in the Pacific, you get, you're going to get put on a team with JT Miller, Quinn Hughes, you have Brock Besser, and you have Elias Peterson. Like, or I'm sorry, Pedersen. Elias Pedersen. It really, the it, it's a mouthful. Get I know. Me. He, he's really Elias fun Pedersen. to watch. He had a little bit of a down year. I want to say COVID year. He didn't do as well. And a lot of people kind of forgot about him because he also came. He, I think he also may have came up during COVID or he came up in 2019. He's relatively still new to the league and being on a Canadian team, especially one that plays in the Pacific time zone. Most people on the East Coast have never heard of him because they're they're asleep for his games. It's kind of like the Pac-12 after dark games. He's just really fun to watch. He's got a laser of a wrist shot. He's an amazing passer. He's just got great vision all around the ice. The one thing the Canucks, I think, were lacking, and that's why they picked up Zidorov, was a big defenseman. 
Yeah. No, ever I since Kevin Bieksa left, there isn't anyone on the Canucks blue line that ever really struck me as, you know, being the lock back there, kind of the glue guy that keeps everyone together. I know Oliver Ekman Larson played there, but in my opinion, after he left the Coyotes, he was past his prime. I don't know. Do you, you remember Oliver Ekman Larson? I think he hung up the skates, I want to say last year. Okay. He used to be one of the only two good defensemen on the Coyotes. The other guy was Keith Yandel. You've probably heard of Keith Yandel. Yeah. That's when the coyote when the coyotes were still like the Phoenix Coyotes back in like twenty fifteen. And they weren't struggling to sell out Mold Arena. Uh, th- they're struggling to sell a Mold Arena this year? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of the joke. <laughs> um, but I mean the Canucks I know this is probably a topic for a later segment. The Canucks are legit right now. They are absolutely legit. You look at stats and you have at least one Canuck in every single category. In points, in goals, in plus minus, um, in wins, in save percentage, in goals against. I mean, you just have the Canucks absolutely dominating right now. And I really don't think it's fair when everyone is saying, oh, you know, the Pacific is run by the Knights. The Pacific does not have the Knights being, let me rephrase it. The Knights are not overrunning the Pacific right now. The Knights are kind of just there because they're defending Stanley Cup champions, and that's what people expect from them. But the Canucks are really making waves, and nobody was expecting this, so nobody knows where to put the Canucks right now. I think this is great. I just go down the Canucks lineup, and I see a bunch of people that got shipped from their original teams because, you know, oh, they were a bust, so they had it down here. And somewhere in Vancouver, the general, the man, all not just the GM, but all the upper-level management, they're smiling somewhere. First guy, obviously, JT Miller. Good thing, Anissa, you're not a Rangers fan. You're a Devils fan, so you'll like this. The day the Rangers decided to get rid of JT. Remember, he went to Lightning. And I then Lightning. Read through his bio. Yep. Then the Lightning didn't want to keep him. And then suddenly he ends up in Vancouver. And voila, JT is JT Miller. He's leading the Canucks in points with 35 points this year. Not a surprise at all. He always puts together a solid year. Usually he ends up around 30 goals. He's a really good passer, too. Well, back in the 21 22 campaign, in you know 80 games, he had 99 points. So he's almost breaking that. 100-point barrier, and he... Oh, my gosh. The New York accent popped out. The barrier. In those last few seasons that he had, you know, with Vancouver the first few times he was there, with the Lightning, with the Rangers, he never even got close to that. I mean, he's been putting up very solid numbers, and right now he's at 35 points. He's second in the league right now, right behind... Who is it? It's off the top of my... Nikita? No. Nikita Kucherov? Yes, Nikita Kucherov. I, I think Kucherov. He, he never ceases to amaze me, Nikita Kucherov. I remember watching an AHL game that's kind of like the AAA Hockey League of the NHL one time between the Syracuse Crunch and the Leah Valley Phantoms. That's the Phantoms of the Flyers farm team and the Crunch of the Lightning's farm team. I just remember him scoring like two goals. I think he might have had two assists. And I just remember saying to myself, this guy's going to be star in the league and... He's been one of the faces of the Tampa Bay franchise for a while. And Anissa, you're smiling, so you must have something funny to say. I was just going to say that Jeff Carter scored a goal. So. <laughs> Jeff Carter. <laughs> Jeff Carter, you are a fourth liner Pittsburgh Penguin. 
<laughs> Jeff Carter's glory days were when he was with the LA Kings. And after he left the LA Kings, he did a whole lot of nothing. Well, he did piss Tanner Lambert off. I'll give him that. So, I mean, he still does. So, all right, going from this trade to the huge blockbuster landing that the Red Wings, who are kind of vying for Stanley Cup contention this season, Patrick Kane signs a one-year, $2.75 million deal with the Red Wings. How do you feel about this? Well, Anise and I were talking before we came on the air and our thoughts about Patrick Kane. I'll just say this. I enjoy the talent. He's fun to watch. I'm still not a fan after he scored on Michael Layton from the corner, from the corner of the rink in the 2010 Stanley Cup final in Philadelphia. Defeat us in six games. Ago. 13 years ago. <laughs> and you remember exactly what you were doing, what you were wearing, how you were sitting, what room you were in. Probably. Nope. Unfortunately, I was one of four people that thought the puck was in originally something. The announcers and all the broadcasters, none of them knew it. Anissa, if you have some free time, you should watch. There's a completion of that on YouTube. All the announcers mistakenly calling or not calling the Patrick Kane goal. I just remember Doc. You know, Doc, you remember Doc Emmerich? Yes, he's great. If I made my Doc Emmerich impression, it'd be like, and Patrick Kane takes the puck in the corner. He throws one on net and it goes wide. And then all of a sudden, there's a whistle. He's like, "Oh wait, the puck's in the net. Kane scored. The Blackhawks, I think, have won the Stanley Cup." It, it was that bad. Michael Layton was beside himself. He couldn't believe. That it went in. I couldn't believe the Flyers actually let him come back for another year after that. Long story short, Patrick Crane, good player, just not one of my favorites, but he's a USA hockey player, born and raised Buffalo, New York. Actually, he grew up in Detroit too, so he's probably happy to be back. And he's one of the last American players to win the Rocket Richard Trophy, and I'd argue potentially a borderline Hall of Famer. You think he's borderline? He is just des- he is. Definitely going to the Hall of Fame I mean, as soon as he retires. Yeah. He's probably one of the greatest American-born hockey players. And I personally don't like Patrick Kane, but you have to admit, he is going to the Hockey Hall of Fame, and he is probably one of the greatest Americans who's ever played the game. You have to look at his... You got to look at his hardware. Three-time Stanley Cup winner with the Blackhawks. 2010, I'm sorry. 2013. And 2015. And then... He's also won the Conn Smythe in 2013 as the MVP, and he won the Hart and the Art Ross for the 15-16 season where he amassed 106 points. So you look at him and you're like, okay, he's pretty legit. And then you look at how he spent 16 years of his career from when he was drafted by the Blackhawks, and then the Blackhawks traded him off for basically nothing but can you blame them they were trying to rebuild and what better way to rebuild than to trade off your franchise player and just kind of start over again sure that was after you know Jonathan the whole Jonathan Taze saga and I will say this about Jonathan Taze back in the day although I wasn't a Blackhawk fan because obviously they beat us they were fun to watch the two of them were a great duo together obviously Kane's a winger and Taze is a center I just think the way that Blackhawks handled Taze, he he kind of wanted to come back for one last hurrah, and they were like to him, you're not coming back to our team. I mean, if I was him, I wouldn't want to play there either. I think you're right, though. Patrick Kane, easily Hall of Famer. I just said future Hall of Famer just because, you know, it's been a few years, but there's no reason why it been a few years should be an excuse for I the think other years. With what he put up when he was active 
no, not when I'm not when he was active because he's active right now. But when he was in his prime, played, in his yeah. prime at his peak, he is definitely put up numbers and games that would put him in the Hall of Fame. But I asked my friends this question. I gave them a blind trade. I said, Team A sends a 16-year player, their franchise player, alongside a prospect. And in return, they get a conditional second-round pick in the next draft entry, a fourth-round pick, and a defenseman who's not even in their farm system anymore. And my friends were like, my friends who are Rangers fans, they had no idea what I was giving them. They were like, this is a bust, you know, the team that got those picks got fleeced. I said, well, you're looking at the Patrick Kane trade from last year when the Rangers acquired him right before that playoff stretch or that playoffs were really about to kick into gear. Like the Rangers were going full throttle last year. Like they thought, okay, this is our year. Rangers fans think that every single year. Just like Yankees fans, they're both delusional. I'm a Yankees fan. I can partially say that. They were going full throttle and they said, we need Patrick Kane. And what happened? Patrick Kane played 19 games and put up 12 points, which is pretty decent. He had one goal and five assists in the postseason as the Rangers lost in seven games to the Devils. So I don't really think that the Rangers, the Rangers definitely did not get the band end of that deal. They got somebody who was going to help them contend even further. And then once they were done with him, he said, okay, I'm going to go have my hip resurfacing surgery and I'm going to go off somewhere else. So I'll say this. I'm looking at the Blackhawks roster now. And first thing I want to say is Chicago must be an absolute wasteland for players in their prime to go. I'm sorry. Andreas Athen to see you. He had a couple of really good years with the Red Wings. He goes to Chicago and he kind of falls off a cliff, off a relevance cliff. Artemi Panarin, the bread man. I know, Anissa, you're not going to like this because he plays for one of your arch rivals in the Rangers. To be fair, and I won't get to interrupt you, somebody asked him if him and Patrick Kane talk, and he said, we aren't friends anymore, and I have never liked a tweet so fast in my entire life. Panarin nope. and Kane are not friends anymore? Nope. That's what he said. Maybe he's joking. I can't tell. Nobody knows how to actually write a tweet on Twitter sometimes. But if he's serious, I like that tweet, and I bookmarked it. We could spend 20 minutes talking about the Brandon Saad, Artemi Panarin trade. And Brandon Saad was a pretty good player back in the day when he was in his prime with the Hawks. I just don't get it. If you like the guy, why would you trade him away? And then in order to get him back, trade arguably a franchise player. I mean, can you imagine Connor Bedard and Artemi Panarin on the same line with Taylor Hall? Obviously, that was... That's kind of like, you know, getting a jackpot in Vegas right now with Taylor Hall being out for the year with another one of his injuries. Remember a few years ago, he had that 39-goal Hart Trophy season with Devils. Yeah. That feels like an eternity ago because he's kind of been married by some bad injury luck. And then Panarin, he goes to Columbus and, you know, he was he was still pretty good, but he finally gets to go down Broadway in New York City and oh lo and behold he's the bread man he's the showman he's the king of New York not Frank Sinatra it's the one and only Artemi Panarin and it was kind of Mika co-king was Mika Zibanejad last year he's a little back to earth but he's really fun to watch Panarin once again Chicago gets fleeced and then the last thing I'd like to say with the Blackhawks trading away aging players Duncan Keith. Duncan Keith played practically his entire career with the Blackhawks, except for his last year when he was at Edmonton Oiler. 
I just don't get it. A lot of these guys, you know, their glory days were with the Blackhawks. They wanted to retire as Blackhawks, yet the organization couldn't honor the request. And that's enough for me. I'm not a Blackhawks fan. I'm I didn't just, mean to go off on a tangent no, there. No, you're good. But I, I just want to say that I think the Blackhawks have been so overshadowed by some of the things that have happened to their franchise in the last 15 or so years that they're trying to rebuild. And in order to rebuild, you have to give away those key pieces. So a lot of these guys had their peak, their prime on the Blackhawks, but you can't stay like that if you're trying to rebuild and get over things that have happened. Um, but pivoting back towards that this Kane landing, Kane just turned 35 in November. And I mean, with the Red Wings, you have to look. Once Dylan Larkin comes back, you're looking at a line of DeBrincat, Larkin, and Kane. You can't tell me, like, you can't sit here and not be like, wow, that's going to be a phenomenal line to watch. Like, you have three players who are just dominating right now. Larkin, when he's healthy, when he's not, you know, being nagged by injuries, as my Yahoo Fantasy shows me day in and day out that he changes a lot from, you know, his status. I'm, I'm not a Red Wings fan but I'm kind of excited to watch this line to see what produces or if it's just a good line on paper. Ah, Alex DeBrinca. Noticing a pattern here, Anissa, another player, borderline franchise player that played very well with the Blackhawks. Let's just ship you away to Ottawa. Unfortunately, Ottawa didn't really work out. It kind of worked out a little bit in the beginning, then it didn't. He goes to Detroit, and voila, he's Alex Debrinket. So clearly, everyone can be, you know, that inner self, you know, that franchise player. They just can't be that for the Blackhawks. Guess not. I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, right now, though, the Red Wings do sit in third in the Atlantic, tied with the Maple Leafs for 25 points. They are 11-7-3 as the Bruins continue to lead the Atlantic 14-4-3 with 31 points. Dylan Larkin leads the Red Wings with 21 points, 13 assists, and DeBrincat leads with 20 goals and, oh my God, 12 goals and 20 points total. So let's, I guess, move on to the next really big piece of news that Minnesota Wild firing their head coach after a landslide of losing games. They go to Sweden, they lose, they come back, lose some more, and Dean Evanson goes, something has to change. Next day, hey, Dean Evanson, you're gone. So what do you think about this one? Well, I'll start off with this. The Wild, they got the message at least tonight, a minute into the second period in Nashville, and they're already up 3 nothing. Kirill Kaprizov, he gets his seventh of the year. And then Jake Middleton and Connor Duar get the other two goals. First thing I want to say about the Wild, and this has been a big issue that's plagued Minnesota for years, is they have to stop handing out bad contracts. Anissa said this line to me before we got on there, and I loved it. It's a wild situation in St. Paul, and it really is. Because I didn't even mean for it to be like that. I know, that. but ironically, unf- and ironically, and I'd also argue, unfortunately, it's always the same situation. The Wild heard me again. They just scored Pat Maroon, so it's 4 nothing. Wild. My computer clearly likes that. The Wild first made this issue a couple of years ago with the whole Zach Parise and Miko Koivu deals. They signed both of these guys to long-term contracts, even though they were aging veterans. They did that with Ryan Suter, who was a big defenseman there, too. Clearly, Anissa, they, they haven't learned from their mistakes. They just keep handing out contracts to aging vets and... 
I don't know why. I, do they think like the Ponce de Leon found a youth is going to come to St. Paul and they're going to magically lead the Central? Because it's not looking like that right now. So when we were talking earlier, Alex was trying to guess the contracts. And... GM Bill Guerin has said that he wants to lock up spending. So he wants to know what he'll have in the future. And he sure as hell locked up is since 2023 began, he's invested $111 million in this core, which includes seven players given multi-year extensions. Ryan Hartman, three years, $5.1 million, 29 years old. Okay. Ryan Hartman's a solid player. Yes. I, I don't have any reservations with that. Deal. Matt Zuccarello. Two years, $8.25 million. This is their total contract. This is not AAV. Okay. 36 years old. I mean, Matt Zuccarello was pretty solid back at his prime, his prime, excuse me, with the Rangers. But is he still in his prime? I don't think is so. Is he worth an $8 million contract for a million a year? I mean, you're also talking about the... Minnesota Wild team that signed Alex Goligoski as a veteran, and he's still there on the deal. He might be one of the seven guys that got locked up too, and he's in his upper 30s. Like I said, and he said, these guys just don't learn. One player you did tell me before we came on the air, Matt Boldy. Matt Boldy, seven years, 49 million. He's 22 years old. He's very, have you seen Matt Boldy play though? Mm -mm. He's very good. He went to, he played college hockey at uh, either BC or BU. I want to say BC. I think he was, I think he was at Boston College Eagle and he's a really fun player to watch. You know, he's kind of like one of those like gritty, dirty guys. You know, he goes to the dirty areas, scores like there's trashy rebound goals. He's really fun to watch. I think that's, I think, I don't really have a problem with that signing. Maybe it's a little much for a team whose future is not very appealing. Um, but next, far from the worst guy he locked up, go ahead. Next up, we have Marcus Felino, four years, 16 million, 32 years old. Uh, Freddie Gaudreau, five years, 10.5 million, 30 years old. Marcus Johansson, two years, 4 million, 33 years old. And then Philip. Philip Gustafson. Thank you. Gustafson. I need to listen to it first. Three years, 11.25 million, 25 years old. Yeah, all the wild are missing is Jeff Carter, and they'd have a squad. So this necessarily, I mean, I, as a GM, as a GM of U92, these are not contracts that I would lock up because, and it's really bad, the wild have 10 of these guys, maybe more, that were not mentioned here that have no movement clauses or no trade clauses and some of them kick in next year. So in short, the Wild are kind of screwed because right now they're tanking. They made a coaching change. Well, what if your coaching change doesn't do anything? You need to start moving around players. You can't move any of these guys who you just gave huge contracts to. And that's the risk you run, Anissa, with some of these larger deals. I always said a lot of people I know say for football especially, fantasy football you know the running back is the most valuable position but a running back's prime is usually only for a few years just because of the impact of the position you know it's a tough position on the body you know tackling each other every single game some of those contracts like for example Dalvin Cook we all know how that one ended up it's starting to seem like you know Ryan Suter was kind of like Dalvin Cook and I'm not just saying that because they're both from the same metro area played for the same metro area teams it's just bad contracts this is also another thing I want to say so I think that Gurren 
maybe jumped the gun a little bit after the Wild made it to the first round last year. And then they lost to the Stars. He was like, okay, I see a really good core that took us this far. I'm going to lock them up before they go anywhere. Now it's kind of biting him in the ass. I mean... And it's not to say the Wild don't have good players. They have some very good prospects. Marco Rossi, when this guy's healthy, which unfortunately it seems like he kind of has his fair share of injuries, he's really fun to watch. He's an absolute speedster. He's a great compliment to Matt Boldy. Sometimes they're on the same line together because Rossi's a center and Boldy's a wing, although sometimes Boldy plays center during the power play. And then Brandon Duhame, he's pretty fun to watch too. He's another one of their wingers, another one of their young players. But then I look at their defenseman, Anissa. And other than Brock Farber, do you know who Brock Farber is? Because he's new. He just got drafted. No. He's pretty fun to watch. Other than that, I see Zach Bogosian, who's on his fourth or fifth NHL team. Jonas Brodeen, who, who's been there since like EA Sports was on Wii, it feels like. Alex Goligoski, like I said, another one of the contracts with a guy that's past their prime, but hey, let's just give him three or four years. John Merrill, who did wonders for the Devils, he did so great in Newark that they wanted to keep him. They, they shipped him off for practically nothing for a draft pick, and I believe one of their picks ended up being someone good. What year the was Devils, this? I want to say this was like 2018 or 19. At When was Alex? Al, I like watching Alexander Holtz, but I don't remember when he was drafted. Mm, I know that he scored a goal tonight. I know. I was. Let's see. It's nice to see the Devils for a change are actually letting their prospects play. He was the seventh pick in the 2020 draft. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a top ten pick, but still, the NHL is not not the easiest league to play in, and he looks pretty good. And then the last two guys, Jared Spurgeon, I think he's a good player. He's been there forever. I don't really have a problem, you know, giving him a contract. Although he wasn't one of the seven you listed, and the last guy is Jake Middleton. And guess who the goal? Guess who the goalies we have for the Wild are? We have Philip Gustafson and Mark Andre Fleury. This is this is Fleury's last year. Like I'm, he's going on his goodbye tour. He hasn't said it officially, but he's been like hinting. He's like, ah, oh, you know, this may be my last year. My very poor, my very poor French impression. He goes, ah, oh, this may be my very last year. You know, my last time I'm going to Pittsburgh. So I'm thinking that he's gonna hang it up after this season. I mean, I don't. I think his contract is almost done. I th- actually, I really think he's gonna be a free agent next year. So no better time than to kind of go out. I kind of wish Flurry had one more year in him because I know the perfect team that could sign him and he would love to go out with his hometown team, the Canadians. He grew up in suburban Montreal. And to be honest with you, I know the Canadians have kind of been rebuilding ever since that really surprise run to the Stanley Cup Finals during the bubble playoffs in 2020. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised they didn't look into signing Flurry. Maybe not to be like to start, you know, 70 or 65 games like usual, but more of kind of like a like a mentor towards some of the younger guys because the Canadians have one of the younger groups in the league. You I know, think when they it, are the youngest team. I was going to say that, and I just remember going back to Canadian goalies. Carey Price, back in his prime, he was an absolute brick wall. He was a fan favorite, too. Obviously, you know, Father Time caught up to him, but I'm just surprised that the Canadians didn't look into signing Flurry. I'm sure it wouldn't have demanded a... 
three or four year contract. But if Flurry was looking for three or four years, he certainly came to the right place. Bill Guerin would be more than happy to give it to him, apparently. I kind of, I, listen, I love Flurry. I love what he did with the Penguins. I do think his prime is over. Uh, you look at his save percentage right now with the Wild, and maybe this is the team in front of him. Maybe it's him, but it's about it's. I think it was eight. It was point eight seven six, which that's really not a good save percentage as a goalie. But we're talking about this Wild situation, and we haven't even gotten to the coaching change. So Dean Evanson was dismissed from the Wild after their seventh straight loss against Detroit last week. On Sunday, he said, you know, we have to change. Monday, they got rid of him. They also got rid of their assistant coach, Bob Woods, who was in his seventh season with the Wild and was in charge of defense and a penalty kill that's ranked last in the NHL right now. So they've allowed 23 goals on their penalty kill. It's kind of bad. Um, Evanson was the replacement for the last Wild coach, Bruce Bredore. Bruce Boudreaux. Boudreaux. I don't know if you. I don't know. Listen, everybody needs to know. I do not pronounce names until I hear them. So Boudreaux. Bruce Boudreaux. Late in the 2019-2020 season, um, Evanson had a 147-77-27 record in five seasons with the Wild, and he led the team to. Four postseasons where they blew the series lead in all four appearances. To be honest with you, I was never a fan of Everson. He's gotten multiple arguments with other coaches. I just remember, especially I want to say the, the Avalanche or the Stars. I remember it was a playoff game and there was like a tense play, and the camera panned to him and he was just like screaming obscenities at the other bench. He reminded me of Patrick Waugh. You remember Patrick? You know who Patrick was? He was a goal, he was a Hall of Fame goalie for the Avalanche. He was a coach. He was really bad at coaching. That's why he he, coach, he, he coaches in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, not the NHL anymore. Some people are meant to be players, not coaches. Yeah, um, and that's not to say that he wasn't a great player in the league. But what I'm getting at is that I feel like the easiest thing to pull the plug is to fire the coach. But how are you supposed to fire a three or four year deal? And Anissa, you're pointing at me I'm and you're saying... I'm pointing because this is correct. I mean, so they hired John Hines, who coached the Devils John. 2015 to 2019. And then he coached the Predators from 2020 to 23. The Preds missed the playoffs last season, so they let him go. So these coaches get passed around. Like, he has not been out of a job since 2015. So, I mean, but you're right. And this is the exact same situation. We didn't get to talk about the Edmund situation because you were busy doing medical engineering student stuff. Hey, I got a 90 on that chemistry exam. It was pretty tough. Thank you. Good job. Yeah, that was Um, was the night Jay Woodcroft got fired. Yes. Ironically, after a a win, too. Well, so this is the thing. Mason Deal and I, on the last episode, we talked about it. We said that the easiest thing for a team that is tanking to do is to fire their coaches. And it starts with the head coach, and then it goes down from there. I was talking about it last night on Sports Night 2. The Oilers were tanking. Because they gave out these really bad contracts to Darnell Nurse, Evander Kane. And they're like, okay, we're losing. We're on a landslide right now. What do we do? We're going to fire Jay Woodcroft and his assistant coach. I thought Jay Woodcroft did a great job in Edmonton. He brought them to the Western Conference Finals in 22 against the Avalanche. This but that's not good. Exactly good-ness. as well what I'm saying. Like, And the problem, I think what separates the 
Oilers from the wild right now or any other team really that will make a coaching change because you know there's going to be at least one more coaching change that happens this season. I don't know who it would be, but there's going to be at least one. It is the easiest thing to point a finger at a coach and be like, it's all your fault and not look at the players that you have on the ice. The Oilers, you have Dreisaitl and you have McDavid. These are two Hall of Fame hockey players that are absolutely destined when they retire to go to the Hall of Fame, right? 100%. They don't build around them. They expect Dreisaitl and McDavid to do everything. So when McDavid was out on his injury, how are you going to rely on Dreisaitl doing everything when you don't give him the correct pieces? I'll say this, Anissa. The Oilers, they never cease to amaze me. And I'm not just saying that because I despise the Oilers because I'm a huge Flames fan. I'll leave it at this. How many, it's like, you know the old saying, you know, how many people does it take, how many engineers does it take to change a light bulb? How many idiots? Yeah, engineers, idiots. You got the point. You got the gist of it. I'm going to say, how many first round, not just first round, how many first overall picks Edmonton does it take for you guys to be good? We looked at the, I think I looked at this. I was telling you this a couple weeks ago. Now now Yakupov, Jordan Eberle, Taylor Hall, Darnell Nurse, obviously McDavid, Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. It seems like a long receipt from the grocery store on a Sunday night. You got a CVS receipt right there. A CVS receipt with all the coupons, except guess what it's missing? There's no Stanley Cup on that receipt. I'll actually give you the list right now because I actually, we talked about it last year or last episode. This will be Taylor good. Hall, 2010. Yep. He went first overall. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, first overall, 2011. 2010 or 2012, you have Nail. Nail Yakupov. Yep. yep. First overall, 2013, Nurse. Um, Dreisaitl was 2014. 2015, McDavid. Uh, about 2016 ever. was Jesse... Jesse, Jesse Pooley RV. Yep. Jordan, Jordan Eberle must have gotten drafted by someone else and then traded in the farm system because all I can remember Eberle playing for was the Oilers when I was younger. I know he ended up going to Long Island and now he's with the Kraken, but I think he, if he didn't end up being drafted by the Oilers, he, he kind of like, you know, grew up in the Oilers farm system, if that makes sense. And he followed the trend of all these other guys that luckily McDavid and Dreisaitl were able to break you know, actually being able to produce. And Edmonton, that's a tough that's a tough environment to play in. You know, the crowd, the fan base, they the expect media. to be good. I mean, that's Wayne, as that was Wayne Gretzky's former team. In his prime, I would argue he was an oiler. He went into the hockey hall of fame as an oiler. Yari Curry. Yari Curry. Paul Coffey. Mark Messier. The list goes on of greats that were oilers. And now we fast forward to the 2020, the tw- excuse me, the 21st century, because it, it is the entire 21st century, it feels like, Edmonton Oilers, and they have all the materials and the making of a Stanley Cup contender. They look kind of like the Colorado Avalanche, if you had asked me, a similar team with them in the league, and yet they still cannot get over the hump, and they're just firing their head coach and going in circles. I think another really big problem, and... Maybe this is just like words and stuff, but Dry Settle at the beginning of the season said it's cup or bust. And I don't think that's a good mentality to have when you and McDavid are the only two people who really put efforts forward. 
Like, I don't think you can have that mentality. It's not like you have a Vancouver Canucks where it's multiple people who chip in every night. You don't have a Quinn Hughes. You don't have a Besser. You don't have a JT Miller. You don't have an Elias Pedersen. And now, you know, it's just you two. You can't build a team off of two people. It needs to be four or more people who chip in every single night. And that's just not what the Oilers have. I mean, I could go on about this all day. I mean, they've made such bad decisions in the past few weeks, and it's kind of sad that Jay Woodcroft is the scapegoat in all of it. It's a shame. I, I like Jay Woodcroft. He's definitely going to get hired by another team. I'm surprised the Wild didn't reach out to him. Instead, the Wild go after John Hines. Not saying that John Hines is a bad coach, but how many uh, Western Conference final appearances? Well, obviously none, because he coached in the he coached in the East before he went to the Predators. But how many you know conference final? Appearances has John Hines had in the last 10 years? Anissa, would you like to take a guess? How many conference appearances he's had? Conference finals. Um, none, actually. Exactly. I was looking at this. He had AHL once. Oh, he, he's won a, a couple yes, Calder Cups in the done AHL. anything in the NHL. Exactly. There's been one AHL coach that I've been thoroughly impressed with what he's done when he's come to the NHL. Anissa, I'd be impressed if you can guess him. You might know him. Would you like to take a guess? Here's a hint. He he's he's got um, he's got a couple of rings. Go fish. Uh, you come on. You don't want to take a stab at it. Take a guess. I'll give you. A, I'll give. I'll give you. A, I'll give you a hint. Uh, I mentioned the farm Sorry, team I'm, he coached. I'm caught up on this Penguins win over the Lightning right now and the goalie goal that was scored by Tristan Jari. Tristan Jari scored a goal. Yes, he did. Well, that, that's Jeff, iron- Carter, Jeff Carter scored his goal. So. Well, that's ironic you say the Lightning because that would be correct. Then that's John Cooper. Uh, he came up. He was the head coach of the Syracuse Crunch of the American Hockey League. The Lightning fired their coach in, I want to say it was like 2015 or 2016. <coughs> Excuse me. Gave John Cooper the call, said, come on up to the big leagues, my friend. And look at that. He's turned them into a dynasty. He has two rings to show for it. He's almost had a third two times where he's been in the Stanley Cup final. And I'd argue he's one of the most successful coaches in the league right now. I will have to agree with you on that, even though I don't like the Lightning that much. Um, he has built a dynasty within them. And they're kind of a powerhouse. Just not tonight. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, but I mean how do you even go from here like what happens I know we've been talking about this wild thing and you know everything else you know let's let's title this where the wild things are all right this is where the wild things are no trademark no copyright whatever unfortunately what, that- what do you do if this does not work out and this coaching change does not work out and okay you just won a game you snapped a seven game losing streak what do you do next when it doesn't work out? If it doesn't work out. The one thing I always say to my friends, because a lot of my friends, when they watch hockey games and their favorite teams, they want to win now. And sometimes I have to say to them, you know, obviously everyone wants to win now. You know, the more you win, the more media rights you get, the more respectability and notoriety you get, the more 
profits you rake in. But sometimes, you know, the win now mode isn't always the way to go. For example, the Boston Bruins, you know, are, are were and they still are in win now mode, even though they don't have Patrice Bergeron. They don't have David Krejci anymore. They don't have Tory Krug. Remember Tory Krug when he was still a Bruin? That feels like ages ago and it was only three seasons ago. Win now mode is great. But you know, Anissa, what win now mode tells me? What? Someone did a poor job on the contracts. In, yes. in my opinion, there should never, ever, ever, never, ever, how many times do I have to say never, ever before you jinx me? Say, you shouldn't lock up people to the point where you say, we're in win now mode. Well, that's the, exactly the problem with the Oilers. Yep. A 100%. lot of them are going to hit their free agency in a few years. Dreisaitl, McDavid, like they're about to hit their contract years and they want to win now. Like I think somebody said this is McDavid's ninth or so year with the Oilers and he has nothing to show for it with this team. Yes, he has his individual accomplishments. He has nothing to show for with this team where supposedly he's with one of the best, you know, other centers in the league. Like you have two of your greatest centers. Dreisaitl plays wing sometimes. He switches off on and off. You know, he can do left or right wing. Um, but you have nothing to prove for. And it's really sad because and obviously McDavid listened to checked out last week or the weekend before. And he heard because he's McDavid. now. Yes, of course he heard. And he was like, well, I have to kick it into full gear now. And he's just been going like an absolute madman. But I don't know. It's just such a poor mentality to have. Like, I fully agree with you. It's a bad mentality to have that, you know, right now or never, because it means people above you did a poor job and you are under a time constraint. And that never puts out a good product. Yep. The wild must have hurt us because Connor Dewar has scored and it's now 5 nothing against John Hines' former squad in the Predators. This is exactly the same Predators team that the Penguins lost to the other night. And the same Penguins team that just won against the Lightning. Interesting. Yeah. Anything Anissa, can happen. Anissa, I was saying, I was going to say, I think we should have a relegation division in the NHL. All these elite teams we're talking about, we got the Minnesota Wilds, San Jose Sharks, Chicago Blackhawks, Nashville Predators, I guess. How comical would you say it would be to have a relegation division in which the worst teams play each other to see who can perform worst on a national stage. Whoever loses has to get relocated. Yep. And that's going to be relocated to the next city for NHL expansion, which do you, you know what you, you know what it, the rumor is? There's been a few, but there's city? one. No, it's Salt Lake City, isn't it? That's what I was going to yeah. say. I would love to see Salt Lake City get an NHL team. That That's a tangent to go on another episode. I'll, I'll just leave it at this. Relegation, you know that they do that in the World Juniors tournament, which is obviously IIHF hockey, international hockey, uh, international ice hockey federation, as opposed to NHL. That's relegation isn't really a thing American sports do, but you never know. It kind of be fun to watch the bottom feeders play against each other. I agree. I maybe actually, they'll pay their fans to come instead of the other way around. Well, ooh, if you want to talk about that, we could also when we come back because we're going to take a little break for a second talk about the pwhl and their new schedule that just came out do you follow that at all oh i saw i saw that i was happy for i i don't get it with 
hockey being the huge draw in Canada, how these guys have, these gals, excuse me, have never been able to like, you know, get off the ice, not just get off the ground, but get off the ice. They've, they've tried this with like the women's team. And I think it's great. They've incorporated the USA hockey and the Canadian women's teams into the all-star events, which I think is great, Mm -hmm. you know, give them some national notoriety and showcase, you know, as they try to find their audience of people, you know, to sell the seats to and to broadcast the games to. But I'm just absolutely shocked with the amount of money hockey makes in Canada where a hundred people will show up to a squirt game, which is a 10U game at 630 in the morning that they couldn't get the puck moving, but I'm happy to see now. I, I think they're really on the right track, and I think they could be kind of like, you know, the WNBA who's kind of built a name for themselves. Yeah, I agree. So we will be back in one second. You're listening to Checked Out. And we're back to Checked Out. Took a little bit of a break. I was about to die from dehydration. Had to watch the end of the Penguins-Lightning game, get those recaps, and look at the Flyers and the Devils tying it up with a few seconds to go in the third to go into overtime. I'm not looking at that until it's over. So here's the out big, of sight, out of mind. Big question. He said, did you enjoy our little break though? I did. Nice. You know, I enjoyed up, it stretch too. Stretch my legs, go get some water. We were just talking about, it. I put in a call to Mr. Bill Guerin. I asked him if I could get a three-year contract and he told me to get back to the podcast. So there's always next year, I guess, you know, maybe he's willing to give me a solid 3.5 mil average a year. Um, attention. If you live in Minnesota and you have a wild Jersey, you are due for practice tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. All right. Show up to the Excel Center, wherever they practice in Minnie or St. Paul. And then you are going on the ice. All right. Get your pads on. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Are you? I know you're ready, Mr. Pim. Not, you're not just getting on the ice. You're getting paid, too. $3.5 million a year. $3.5 million a year. Go just out to be like a healthy now. scratch, you know, yeah. because John Hines is probably going to play the four guys to the most unproven. Who knows? Maybe Alex Golagoski is going to score 20 goals back there. Maybe Zach Parise is going to just sign his last year to be a wild again. Who knows? Maybe Miku Koivu, three years removed from retirement, he's just going to magically come out of retirement and take the wild to the promised or land. they're going to I, sign yep. 19-year-old Alex Silverman, who is in the midst of finishing his degree right now at WVU, to an entry contract. We never know. They might. So... Mr. Garen and the rest of the Minnesota Wild front office, if you're listening, I'm available. I can send you my highlights from my beer league team. I think you'd be very impressed. So, um, But before we hit that break, I mentioned the PWHL, which have finally announced their schedule. And it's really quirky to me that they're opening their season January 1st, the exact same day that the Winter Classic is happening. I feel like they're being overshadowed. I mean, you just had this really huge acquisition. You basically dissolved all of the other women's hockey teams, the professional ones, and you were like, okay, we're going to make the original six for the Women's Hockey League. You don't even give them names. I saw the names that were teased. They were atrocious. The jerseys look like the Pittsburgh third jerseys with the name going straight across. It looks like a practice jersey. I feel like... They rushed into this, and they're not giving these women who deserve so much, they're not giving them the proper, I guess, entry into the league. Like, if you were, if they were an NHL team, everything would be sorted by now. Their colors, their names, their jerseys, everything. Instead, you have a league who's trying to piece everything together, and it's kind of disappointing. 
So that was just my two cents on it. I am excited to see how it goes out. Their season begins in January and then extends to the end of March. I was going to say, I believe they play around third, I want to say 25 to 30 games. It's not nearly as much as the NHL. I don't think it could be a lot right now. I mean, you have six teams, so you really can't move around that much. And then some of them are saying, oh, we're the New York team, but they don't play in New York City. They play on Long Island. Or you play for Boston and they play in... um. You know, right outside of Boston, yeah, 40 I, minutes away. Like, what's the sense? So it's like saying that the New England Patriots play in Boston. No, they play in Foxborough. So that was my two cents on the PWHL. We're going to move on to, unless you have anything to add about And breaking that. news, Luke Hughes has won the game for the Devils 28 seconds into overtime. So you can rejoice, Anissa. The Devils did not blow it to the Flyers, although oh, they did. I used to pray for times like these. <laughs> yeah, Meek Mill's not going to be very happy tonight because his hometown lost. But at least the Flyers got a point out of it. They scored twice in the final five minutes of the game, including a goal in the final minute to send it to overtime. But... Luke Hughes, he had other plans. The Devils win round one of this Metropolitan Division rivalry. Anissa, guess where the next match is? Um, uh, San Jose, isn't it? Nope. The next time the Devils and the Flyers oh, meet, I you were it's gonna it's meet. gonna be at the Jet Stadium, MetLife Stadium, and I know this. We're gonna keep, stick to hockey on this hockey podcast, but I, I can't not this say is this. MetLife Stadium. Okay? The, it's not MetLife. The, it's the Jet Devils. Life. The Devils. Might actually score more points than the Jets in a game. I'm sorry. I I like the I do like the Jets. I wear a Jets shirt to bed every night. I just had to say that because. Oh, I so you're ashamed? So you wear the Jets shirt to bed? You don't actually wear it out in public? Wow, Alex, really fake. Fan. I mean, I got it at Models. I got it at Models. Literally the last night of Models. I don't know. Did you ever go to Models? I feel like there were Models in New Jersey. That was this is like three years ago. Yes, I do remember Models. That was a good find. It was a really cool shirt. I'll have to I'll have to wear it for you sometime, but I'm waiting for Tim Boyle, I guess, to step it up. Um no, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. My dad so I know we're going off on a little tangent right now. All right. My dad has been a life a semi lifelong Jets fan. Originally I found out he was a Steelers fan. We are not from anywhere near Pittsburgh. I guess it's the same as me being a Green Bay Packers fan. Anyways, so my dad is a Jets fan. Has been a Jets fan since the 80s. He was born in 72. He has been hoping and praying for times like these with Aaron Rodgers since Mark Sanchez took them to the AFC you know, championships. All right? Blow it, whatever. Jets haven't won a Super Bowl since, you know, color TVs were around. Whatever. It's okay. My dad last night seriously told me, he called me before we had our sports meeting that you were not there for, unfortunately. And I was like, yeah, you know, Aaron Rodgers coming back in all of his seriousness. He goes, yeah, you know, I think the Jets are going to win their next seven. And I laughed. And I said, are you kidding me right now? I said, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. They're not going to win their next seven. I said, there's no way he's going to make that much of an impact and win them. I mean... It's just crazy. Anyways, that's the woe of being a Jets fan. Whatever, it's fine. I'm used to disappointment. That's why I keep my hopes low. All right? That's why I'm never that's how I'm never disappointed. Keep your hopes low. Exactly. Um 
But no, good for Luke Hughes. I'm really happy. He also had an OT winner back in May when he was first brought up. Yes, Caps, right? Hmm? You talk about the one against the Caps, or you talk about the over or the playoff one. There were multiple. So yeah, I know. Take your pick of a Luke Hughes goal. But he actually got slammed into the boards today, tonight by um, Hathaway. Garnet Hathaway. And Hathaway got a game misconduct. He got ejected. Oh, did he get a boarding major? Yeah, he did. Um, and Luke went down. He was like gripping his shoulder. And I was like, oh. I don't be this. like your brother. Please like, don't, don't be like your brother. With, with Jack, I was like, please don't do this to me. But Luke came back out. He was strong. Look at him getting that OT winner. I'm, I love you, Luke Hughes. I love you, Hughes brothers. All right, in my heart, love y'all. Nice so win for the Devils, who were without Timo Meyer. He's hurt. I feel like that's a common theme every year. We talk about the Devils being hurt. I don't know if you remember back in like 2015 or 2016 when PK Subban was on the Devils. Remember that one year the Devils were not not just a Metro Division favorite, but they were a Stanley Cup favorite. It was Subban was there. He sure had just been drafted. Mm-hmm. That there's the Devils had a guy by the name of John Quenville in their farm system. He's not there anymore. He was supposed to be pretty good up and coming, and it never materialized. Well, I feel like this is the popular theme with the Devils, just like every year. Like, yep. Right now, you just had Nico Heeshear return from an injury. Um, Timo's out. Eric Hall is out. You just have a whole slew of players, key players. For the Devils that have been out, have been in and out of injury. You know, Jack just came back from whatever he was dealing with. So, I don't know. Um, It's very interesting. I don't... Listen, I said that the Devils were my Stanley Cup contender this year. And I'm going to stick by it because that is what a true New Jerseyan does. All right? But I wouldn't be that mad if the Canucks won. Yep, and I think that's a perfect segue into our next section good old hot and cold we've talked a lot of cold the oils dried up in alberta we talked about how cold that was we've talked about how it is absolutely freezing in st paul because those red lights those red goal lights won't be warming anyone up anytime soon with those contracts let's talk about a good team a hot team and let's start in the western conference because we're talking about the canucks you Literally took the took them out of my heart, the Vancouver Canucks. Let's talk about the Vancouver Canucks. Last time we talked, and this is an eternity ago. This was like three weeks ago before Thanksgiving break. I said that I had moved the Canucks out of my sleeper bracket into absolute contender bracket. Anissa, what are your thoughts on the Canucks? Because I, I know you like you're a big fan. I absolutely agree. They're my third hot team because I had three total. They're my third. I've said it since the beginning of this podcast. If you were not on the Quinn Hughes Norris Trophy train, it started back in August. Get on now or be left at the station come June. Like, I'm not playing around anymore. Quinn Hughes is the real deal. And having these weapons alongside of him, like I have mentioned at the earlier part of the episode, having JT Miller, which a lot of um, Hughes' goals and his points... I'm sorry, his points come from power plays as well. From Miller and Pedersen. Yep, he has 14 power play assists. So out of his 25 assists, almost half of those are over half of those are actually from power plays. So that just shows you that the Vancouver Canucks are capitalizing and they're doing so much with 
their power plays and they're not just, you know, setting up for two minutes. They're actually taking strides to get these points, you know. All right, let's go. Let's it's all hands on deck for these. So the Canucks have always been and they will stay in my hot teams category unless, you know, the train drives off the cliff. I don't don't see that happening. One thing I one person I would like to shout out on this Canucks squad. I don't think he's getting any love. I think it's time we consider Thatcher Demko for the Vesna Trophy. The Vesna Trophy goes to the most valuable goaltender in the NHL. Thatcher Demko, he's been great. He's been an absolute brick wall lock almost every single game for the Canucks. They're proving to us that that 8-1 spanking of the Oilers in the first game was no fluke. Well, he's number four right now in goals against... So he's only allowed about two goals every game. And to think, Anissa, this is the same Vancouver Canucks team that last year were second or third to last place in the entire Western Conference. I don't know if you remember, Bruce Boudreaux was most recently the head coach of the Canucks. I've never seen this before. He knew he was getting fired for three weeks, but because his replacement, Rick Tockett, who's the current head coach of the Canucks, his contract wasn't up with the Coyotes. There was kind of like a dead dead period from the time he got fired from the Coyotes that another team couldn't hire him. Because there were three weeks still left on his contract, actually it wasn't with the Coyotes, it was with TSN, so a broadcasting network, the Canucks... Knew they were everyone, including Boudreaux and upper level management, knew that he was getting fired, and they kind of just let it smolder as a dumpster fire. And it was one of the, it was definitely the low point for the franchise of this 21st century. And that's what why I like to see the fact that the Canucks, you know, are back to being very good and very relevant ever since the Sedin brothers retired. I feel like no one has really cared about the Canucks. Another team I'd like to highlight in the Western Conference, the LA Kings. What blows my mind is the LA Kings are doing all of this without Pierre-Luc Dubois. He, he's doing the bare minimum. I think a large part of it is because of um, 36-year-old Cam Talbot. Sitting right between the pipes. I mean, he's gotten a second wind. You look at these goaltenders who are up in their upper 30s, and you're like, eh, okay. Like, they're decent sometimes, you know. And then you have the outliers, Cam Talbot. Um, even Jonathan Quick. Jonathan Quick is on one of my hot lists right now because I put the Rangers as well. As much as it pains me, uh, the Rangers are a very hot team. But right now, he's 10-4-1. He has a .928 save percentage. He's fifth. He has one shutout. And he is actually, I believe, he is sec- He's third right now in goals against. Right behind Jonathan Quick and Aiden Hill from the Knights. So... Good for him. I always thought Cam Talbot was a great guy. He was always pretty good to watch. Unfortunately, he never had a very good team in front of him. And so because of that, it always made him look bad. Unfortunately, whenever your team doesn't produce that much offensively, it's very easy to make the goaltender look a lot worse than they are just based on the amount of shots they face. And obviously not getting any offensive help makes it very tough to succeed in the crease. But Cam Talbot having a bounce back year there in L.A., Another interesting team, they've cooled off as of late, but I, I would still consider them somewhat hot just based on the the opponents that they're losing to. 
the King's rival from 20 minutes down the road, although with LA traffic, it would take you four and a half hours, the Anaheim Ducks. And once again, the Ducks are doing all this without Trevor Zegers. Now, I know what you're going to say. The Ducks have a losing record now, so how can they be hot? But just just hear me out. Okay, I'll hear you This out. is an Anaheim Ducks team that, frankly, well, not frankly, first off, they should have had Connor Bedard. Okay. I think Bedard should have went to Columbus, but maybe I'm happy he's not in the match. The Ducks Continue. had top two odds for Bedard for the Bedard sweepstakes. Okay, their consolation prize, Leo Carlson, he's very good. I, I don't think that's a I bad. Agree. Consolation I'm not going to disagree prize. with you on that. I know the Ducks have a losing record. They started off pretty surprisingly hot. Now they've cooled off a lot. But here's here's my point. If you look at who they've lost to. Most of the teams they've lost to, actually two of the last three or four games, Canucks and Kings. So we're talking about smoking hot teams. Another thing I want to say with the Ducks is, you know Trevor Zegers, right? You know the whole Michigan. Yes. He's been a non-factor this entire year. Him, Jamie Drysdale. I think Leo Carlson was out a little bit too. He was. Jamie Drysdale, I think he's, I don't know if he came back or he's expected back within the next week. I think he's still out. He got hurt, I want to say, the third game of last year. He was my sleeper for fantasy hockey. I got him for nothing. I was so excited. Suffered now that major injury. you know why injury. he's a sleeper. Because he doesn't do anything. I know what an actual sleeper is. I'm making a joke. He's never, he's he's never real. But here's my <laughs> point. He's never really had a chance. He, he looked really good in college. Another, another yeah. guy like that is Jake. I don't know if you're familiar with Jake Sanderson of the Ottawa Senators. Yes. He got threatened by Matthew Kachuk the other day. I remember that. I'm sure we didn't get to talk about that. I just thought about that. Oh yeah. Oh. Well, well, I mean, okay. I, I mean, I I am the ref, so I guess I have to say this. Everybody on the ice receives a ten minute misconduct. I, I love it. I've never seen that before. Talk before we okay. dive into that okay. deep hole, because that's a whole big yeah, thing. Yeah. All right. The last thing I want to say with the Ducks is uh, it's kind of hard. To, I don't know. Really, you're right, Anissa. You you did a good job calling me out. How you call a team with a losing uh under 500 record hot i'm not gonna say they're hot but i'm gonna say they're they're a lot they're, they're on the trend up and i could see that i could see them turning it around and potentially sneaking into the second wild card so i can kind of see where you're going with this and i get it i get the train of thought you lose to the canucks you lose to the oilers you lose to the kings yeah but how are you losing to the habs and the blues like the, the blues despite what we all say they they have a decent record it it kind of amazes me because I feel like every every night I'm looking through the scores on the NHL app, I always see the Blues on the end of a lopsided loss, but the Blues are not doing terrible at all. I really wouldn't put the Ducks in like a hot category, maybe like a lukewarm like bathtub water category. Um, I actually put them in cold. I said they're on a seven game losing streak right now. They have a minus 21 goal differential. And then just a few weeks ago that they were riding that high of that six game win streak. And now, no pun intended, they've been dragging the bottom of the pond. Ha ha ha. Duck joke. Ha ha ha. Everybody laughed. I, I know they're on a, I knew you were going to say something that they're on a seven game losing streak, but also you have to understand that they had these, these injuries and you were talking about yeah, the I second, the second youngest team in the NHL, literally all their 
assets or in prospects and um so my next cold team which could actually segue into what we were going to talk about next the senators senators are <laughs> eight nine and oh so right now their win against the pens from a few weeks ago fluke looks like a total fluke they have fallen apart it hit a really really ugly head the other night against the panthers their goaltender jonas corpusalo yelled at his defenseman he was corralling the puck right behind the net and he went to go hand it off none of his defensemen were around and he started yelling so when you have your goaltender losing his cool because you aren't stepping up and doing your job huge problem but I guess this can kind of lead to what happened with the Panthers and the Senators so in case you've been living under a rock Brady Kachuk is the captain of the Ottawa Senators. His brother, Matthew, who was a flame, is now an alternate captain for the Florida Panthers. So they met and they have a rule. You know, their parents say they cannot fight, physically fight on the ice. They can talk all they want. They cannot drop the gloves, which I think is actually hilarious uh, because both of them fight. I mean, I think Brady's more of a fighter than Matthew. Like Matthew... If you watch him, he gets under your skin. Like, he wants you to fight. Like, he's trying to draw these penalties. But it was really, really bad the other night. Everybody on the ice, I want to say they finished with about 120 combined penalty minutes with both teams. It was ugly. Uh, Paul Maurice, the Panthers head coach, after everybody got ejected, because everybody who was on the ice for the last fight in the third period, they all got sent away. They were all getting game misconducts, and they all left. And Paul Maurice, you watch him. He's standing on top of the bench, and he's counting who he has left. So he's like, okay, one, two, three. And it honestly, the, <laughs> the broadcasters were like, it looks like an 11 o'clock beer league hockey team game right now. Like, these benches are empty. So that was really funny. I don't know what jump started it, but I know that they caught Matthew and Brady going at each other. And Matthew was like, oh, you know, Sanderson and Timmy are dead. And then you see, because they were all fighting, like Matthew got, oh, he got like really hit. Like he was bleeding and stuff. One of the guys got ejected because he got slammed in the head. Yeah. I totally forgot about this. So I didn't even look at it. So so I I saw, I actually, if you could believe this and. I should have brought it up earlier. I was watching this game on ESPN Plus. So I, was I saw too. this. Time. I will say this: this whole fun stuff, this rough—not just fun stuff. This rough stuff started when Brady came out of the penalty box. He just served a penalty. He had an outlet pass. He went in. I don't think it was a breakaway, but he he had some speed. You know, he was on a rush in the offensive zone. He took the shot, and the Panthers goalie Bobrovsky made the save. And he decided that he would just casually snow the goalie, which is hockey slang for stop right in the goalie's face, you know, with the idea that he would push some of the snow from mm-hmm. the ice up into Bobrovsky to annoy him. And he also hit, dragged his skate right up against Bobrovsky's pad. And after that, all everything broke loose. It was just a full-out line brawl. I, I thought it was great. You know, I grabbed my popcorn from my very fancy-schmancy Campus Essentials microwave and just sat back and watched with intriguing eyes as for the first time that I can remember one of the officials said, everybody on the ice has received a 10-minute misconduct, which if you're not familiar with hockey... 
a 10 minute misconduct is usually assessed to someone that's an instigator in a fight. It's not necessarily a game misconduct. However, in this case it was because there was less than 10 minutes left in the game. But the idea is a 10 minute misconduct is, Hey, you screwed up. You know, if you do that again, we're going to kick you out, but you're still going to sit for 10 minutes, which is one six of a game. One thing I want to say though, usually they give out 10 minute misconducts. They're coincidental. Okay, so that means that player X on say uh, we'll just say Kachuk, say the Kachuk brothers fought each other, and the, and then after that there was a bunch of other rough stuff. If the refs wanted to get more control of the game, they would give them both a ten minute misconduct on top of the five minute major because that's ten less minutes that those guys could be on ice. Ten less minutes they're causing trouble. Mm-hmm. I've never seen ten people get kicked out or ten minute misconduct, whatever you want to say at once. So. That's impressive. That'll definitely go up there with the highlights of the year. I mean, you just like, I think it was so funny. You have the Kachuk brothers bickering with each other. Matthew was laughing in Brady's face. And as an older child, I felt that because I was like, oh my God, like when my sister would get mad at me, because my sister's middle child, Brady is the middle child as well. I was like, oh my God, when my sister would get mad at me, she would be, you know, barking and stuff. And I'd be sitting there laughing and make her even madder. And that's exactly what happened with the Kachuk brothers. And it's just so funny. Like you have, you know, Matthew going, he's like, oh, you know, Timmy Stutzel and Sanderson are dead. Like they're dead. And then you have Brady going, well, Barky, like we're going to get Barky then, Alexander Barkov. So I just really think it was interesting having all these pieces dragged in. Like, please do not attack, please do not attack Sasha Barkov. Like, you just can't do that. But anyways, very entertaining. I was not expecting this game to be the way it is. And the Panthers ended up shutting out the Senators. So which uh, which Kachuk brother do you think is better? I, I have a funny feeling we have different opinions. So I'm just curious what you say. Um, I'm biased. I really like Matthew. We share a birthday, so I have to like him. But I really and I just I like how he's an instigator. Because he's an instigator, but he does it in the right ways. And then he's not afraid to, you know, step up and do what he has to do. Because he has bark and he has bite to show for it as well. So I really like Matthew. I have a feeling you're going to say Brady. Yeah, I like Brady, but that's just because his style of play, they're very similar, but they're also really different. Brady comes off as a little bit more of a goal scorer. I know Kachuk, he's does more than his fair share to get his name on the stat sheet. But Brady, the way the way he plays sometimes, he's got that fight. He's got that dog in him. He literally has that dog in him sometimes. And the problem is sometimes he lets that emotion that he plays with, he enjoys playing with that fire. He lets it get the best of him and ends up in highlight reels like this, unfortunately, which don't include game-winning goals for the Senators. Instead, it's game-changing ejections like this. They're still fun to watch, you know, top 10 ejections of the 2023 season where they will only have to make that once because, you know, 10 people got kicked out in the same play. That's beside the point. He's really fun to watch, Brady. I think Brady's a little bit I think bit both better. of the Kachuk brothers are fun to watch. I just like Matthew better. Yeah. So I guess we got a little rival rivalry there. Yeah, a little brotherly love never hurt nobody. Yep. Um, so I guess this will take us to our last segment, the ever-beloved and the ever-missed mascot challenge that was absent last week. So. I bet you really missed it, didn't you? Um, I can't say I did. <laughs> it was nice <laughs> not getting grilled on mascots for a week. Okay, so I'll let you pick your league this 
I want you to score better this week. So what league would you like? Um, ooh, why don't we do? I'm gonna take the cop out. Let's go AHL. Okay, I was gonna suggest AHL. And then what 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 are you gonna select for me this week? How are you with the um, women's hockey league? Oh, I'm not gonna. Okay, I'm not because gonna the thing the problem with that is a lot. I know a lot of the teams have kind of rebranded. Hmm. Take your so. pick. Which league do you want? Mainly um, so I can put it in my Google. <laughs> you want to go for QMJ? I'm usually pretty. I'm a little rusty. We could tell. I think we did QMG. Quebec Major last time. Okay, but I'm down we to could do. do it again. We can do. If you want, we can do WHL or OHL. Um. Uh. Let's do. WH actually, I think we did WHL. Yeah. You know what? Let's do OHL. You get, why don't you do a yet. mixture of both? That that's the easiest way to throw me off. And all right. I uh, I forget. Do you you want the mascot name or the city name? Um. Which do you think's easier? City name. I'm sorry, the mascot name because okay. the AHL. All right. I'm gonna start you off. I'm gonna start you off with one. I know you're gonna get, but. I we I don't know if you're rusty because it's been a few weeks. The We're gonna, we got to start keeping track of these. Yep. The so sorry. I'm. It's been a long day. City. You said city, and you or I give you the mascot, and you give me the city, right? Yes. Okay. The Silver Knights. <laughs> I I'll give you a hint. They, they, their parent team plays 15 minutes from them, and it's a suburb of that city. Mm, I'm gonna guess it's in California. No, and sorry, and if. Yeah, I'll take Vegas. It's Henderson, but Henderson's okay, literally right a suburb of Vegas. of Vegas. Yeah. Okay. A nice suburb at that. They got a nice, um, nice, oh, what's that chain called out there? Ralph's. You ever go to Las Vegas? There's a, it's really Kroger. It's another one of Kroger's kind of. I've never been to the West Coast before. You should, you should go. Las Vegas is a really fun town, especially when the Golden Knights are good. The Golden Knights are playing the Oilers, and you'd like to see a blowout. Come on down to the T-Mobile Center and once again, grab your popcorn and... From your kitchen essentials? Yep, from your kitchen essentials and you'll have a good time. All so, right. Do you want the city name or the mascot name? The team name? Which do we do? Let, which, which, um, I'm trying to think which is hard. Which do you think is harder? Uh, I'm going to guess probably... Doing the city name. Okay, we can do we can do city name. Okay, first up is going to be mm, Windsor. The Spitfires. That's I know that one. There's been a couple. There's only I think one rebranding in the OHL. There's two. I want to say in the WHL, a rebranding is also kind of like a relocation where they go to a new city. Sometimes you know kind of change up their whole mascot, their whole apparel profile. Windsor Spitfires, they got a cool logo. Your next one, Anissa. I don't want to repeat one that I did a few weeks ago. Luckily for you, I forget which ones I called, so yeah, that I might be to your advantage. So. I I, will, I do give you credit for the Silver Knights, though, because that was the correct city. The Admirals. I'm going to guess, are they out in Connecticut? Now, I'll be honest with you, admirals usually aren't associated with this city. This this city is in one of your your favorite sports team states, though. Let's see. Green Bay is the only one. 
Mm, Milwaukee. Yes, the Milwaukee Admirals. I was going to say Madison. Was Madison... I feel like Madison would do great. AHL? No, I feel like an AHL as a team would be great there in Madison. I know I'm it's not a small I'm surprised that there town. isn't a... Probably because Milwaukee's only an hour and a half. Yeah, there isn't an NHL team in Wisconsin. They got to root for the wild. But that also, remember, it's... The whole, you know, kind of like the geography game, like that's quote Blackhawks territory. It's almost like the shark, for example, the sharks. The sharks, you know, for a couple of times in the late '90s, they they played in San Francisco, but they moved to San Jose because they were getting a lot more of their fan base from the southern part of that region. Mm-hmm. So even though they're in a region, there's only certain parts of the region that can support the team, and that's I think why. Wisconsin only has an AHL team, but if Wisconsin continues to grow, I could easily see an NHL expansion. Nice little Milwaukee-Chicago rivalry. Who knows? Maybe th- those contracts will drag the Wild out of St. Paul and into Madison, where they'll probably just do the same thing. But hey. This is some wishful thinking. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. We said city name. Um, North Bay. The battalion. Yeah, well, I'm not. Gonna, we need to invent a win, a game where I win, where I start winning. Okay. Okay, you're one. <laughs> you're one for two. That's that's fifty percent. I like that. This one, the Penguins. Oh, it's Wilkes Barre Scranton. Yep, there you go. I like it. Let's go. Give me easy one. Um, well, let's see. Uh, let's go Sarnia. The Sting. Yep. Yep. Sorry. Uh, the Eagles. The Eagles? Yep. Uh, this this one, the city, city, the city is not one of the more well-known ones, so I will take the state. Are they, can you do East Coast or West Coast or Midwest? Western Intermountain West, if you know that geography term, not West Coast, but that part of the so country. Like Colorado, yeah. is it Colorado? Yeah, the Eagles. Okay. The city okay. is Fort Collins, but I didn't think you were gonna guess that. Yeah, probably not. Okay. All right, I'm gonna give you. So three for or two for two for three. I like it. Um. Or three for four. Excuse me. It's been a long night. I guess that calculus exam took a lot out of me. Ottawa. Oh, the 67s. Yep. All right, your last one. Last one. Are we going to make, should I make this hard? Or should I make this easy? The Condors. Oh, Bakersfield. There you go. I like That's it. That's the Oilers. Good old Pacific. Let's go. Let's go. Guess what? They have a better record than the Oilers. Let's go. Gay for AHL teams. Yep. All right, you got one more? Okay. Done? Let's see if I, I, I could be perfect um, tonight. Um... I wish these were harder. Hmm. Kitchener. Now that, that's too easy. I listen. Rangers. I don't know. Rangers. I don't follow AHL. Congratulations, hundred for hundred. You get to come back on the show next week. I will. I cannot win coaches' hot seat with Joey Bray and Tanner Lambert and Quinn Roby, but at least I can win my own Sylvie's mascot challenge. So yeah, I got that going challenge. for me. 
So that's going to do it for us on the fourth episode of Checked Out. Can you believe that? And we just survived a very long Thanksgiving break. There might be a special episode coming up in the near future in the next few days because Mason Deal texted me and said he's dying to talk about everything that happened much more. He's a little bit of a, he's a little of a, um, a gossiper, Mason Deal. Let's talk about gossip. So he really wants to dig into that senator's fight. He's dying to do so. So might come a little bit in the future next few days but as always thank you for checking us out um penguins won devils won the flames play tonight yep they're currently tied with the stars flames are hopefully gonna win let's hope that they win next time we come back so have a good night everybody and i hope and remember 10 a.m. sharp, 10 a.m. central time. Mr. Garrett, not 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 even on the ice, Mr. Garrett's office, feel free to bring some Tim Hortons, some Dunkin' Donuts, some Krispy Kreme, whatever gets you going. He'd love to see you. He's got those three-year deals right on the table, just like a giveaway at the Penguins game. You know, the stickers that the first 20,000 fans come and get that go through the gates. So you heard me, first 20,000 fans, not fans, the first 20,000 walk-ons through Mr. Garen's doors in St. Paul. You're getting an NHL contract. You're going home with $3.5 and, and you're getting yourself a nice trip to Vegas. All right, good night.